Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, February 21st, 2021, the first Sunday of Lent. Thank you for listening this week, and if you would like to view the service in its entirety, please go to our Facebook or YouTube page by following one of the links in the podcast notes. Also, we would like to invite you to please support our ministry here at Beach Grove through your offerings. We have both online and physical giving opportunities, and we encourage you to reach out to us if you have any questions about giving. You can contact us by email at office at beachgroveumc.org. You can call our office at 757-538-8353, or you can message us through our Facebook page directly. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every, every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I am establishing my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established with you, that I have established between me and all flesh that is on earth. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That as we enter this holy season, as we journey to the cross, we would grow closer to you in learning more about our covenant with you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You know, it is not often that I take a chance to preach for significant periods of time from the Old Testament. In fact, this may be a sentiment of many pastors. Even many of you all who are joining us today probably have not heard as many sermons on the Old Testament as you have the New Testament. The Revised Common Lectionary is a the Revised Common Lectionary is a calendar of guided scriptures that give us both Old Testament and New Testament passages. And I'm sure while there are many churches that read the Old Testament passages out of all the four, and along with the other passages each week, I wonder how many pastors spend a significant amount of time learning about God from the Old Testament. However, as I was 
planning this season of Lent, and I was praying about what I should preach on, what God was calling me to preach on, the Old Testament passages that guide us through this series of Lent really began to speak to me. All these Old Testament passages leading us up to Holy Week. You see, Lent is not just a time for us to fast from something. But you see, it's a great time for us to add something into our lives as well. Something new, something different, something that will help us grow and mature in our relationship with God. And as we explored in our Ash Wednesday service, this is a season of preparation in which we journey to the cross. And we, in our fasting, engage in the age-old practice of repentance and intentional growth. And I want us to begin there, with this act of growth. You see, for me, I wanted to grow in my relationship with God as well. And as I read these Old Testament passages, I couldn't help but think about how covenant reveals God's nature to humanity. You see, covenant is not a new thing. Covenant has been there since the very beginning. And even when we look at the final days of Christ, which we will explore in 45, well, less than 40 days now, Jesus closes his ministry by making a new covenant. Jesus talks about establishing this new covenant during the events of the Last Supper and sets the stage with what our relationship with God looks like as Christians. Covenant and covenant terminology and relationship to God is not new to Jesus. Even the covenant that Jesus makes with us does not even include new ideals. But covenants were how God, from the very beginning, promised and made relationship with human beings. God establishes covenant to create guidelines with how humans are called to interact with God and each other. And the Old Testament readings that we are going to explore this Lenten season, explore a handful of these covenants. And even as we look and we see each week how they laid the foundation for the covenant that Christ makes with us and the covenant that we take into our lives as well. And so we're going to explore over the next six weeks, five, well, five weeks, and then we'll enter into Holy Week, this concept of covenant, looking at five specific moments in the Old Testament that point us to God's work in the world and what it looks like both from God's end and ours. We're going to explore each covenant or each covenant action. We will unpack it view what it means for God and for us, and understand why it is important, even considering our role in fulfilling the covenant. You see, covenant is this pact. It's this understanding that two sides make this deal. And most commonly in the Bible, it is meant to be understood that it is a pact between God and humanity. And we see this as we unpack what God is talking about when he makes this covenant, these covenants with humanity. And as it begins to unpack itself even further, when we look at our relationship with Christ. And so the first covenant that we are going to explore is this covenant 
in Genesis chapter 9. And it's actually one of the, the story, the end of the story that we're seeing today, is actually the first time that covenant is used in Scripture. And that is this time in reference to Noah and the flood. You see, in Genesis chapter 6, we hear covenant for the first time in Scripture when God says that he will make a new covenant. And now, here in Genesis chapter 9, we get that new covenant. So let's start by asking the first and probably most obvious question. What is the covenant that God is making with Noah? Well, let's turn to our scripture passage. Verses 9 through 11, where God says, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I established my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy this earth. Seems simple enough, right? We have... God is making this covenant with every living creature on earth, and God covenants that he essentially will never destroy the earth again or cut off flesh via this destruction. So the next obvious question in this progression would be, why does God make this covenant? And for that, we back up again to Genesis chapter 6 where we read in verses 5 through 8 that the Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth. And as we continue to read through that passage, we see that God wrestles with this understanding of what do I do with this wickedness in humanity? And so, in verse 8, we read that the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. You see, God creates, well, at least for me as I read this, God creates or makes this covenant with Noah because of the devastation of power that has been witnessed, that God has witnessed. You see, God saw wickedness in humanity and regretted ever creating humans. And so what does God do? But God seeks to destroy humanity. Finding one righteous human and that righteous human's family and choosing to save them in this time. And then on the other side, seemingly filled with grief at his decision, God decides that he can never do this again. We have two different pictures of God's relationship with humanity. One, in which the Lord was disheartened by the wickedness of humanity. And the other one, having now seen the devastation of the flood, looks out and seeks to restore the divine image, the image of love and grace that existed in the very act of creation. It's not that God did not have this original purpose before, but it is clearly directed towards Noah in a way that seeks to hold up both, both humanity and God accountable for these actions. In this covenant, God is giving comfort to Noah, and thereby, as we read it, comfort to the rest of humanity that will come forth from Noah. God saying, I will never destroy humanity again. 
nor any other living creature on the rest of the earth. God makes this promise both here and in the later verses, as we see, when the floodwaters subside. While God recognized at the beginning of the flood that the wickedness of humanity, now God's tone seems to have changed a little bit. Instead of seeing wickedness, God is choosing to see the good. And promises Noah that he will not destroy humanity again. What a bold and audacious statement to make. For us to ponder upon. As we hear all around people proclaiming that it is because of our sin that God is seeking and causing these terrible disasters. I think we have a scripture right here that so rightly refutes this thinking. God does not seek to destroy. God does not seek to harm us. God seeks to love us. And oftentimes it is because we have failed to uphold our end of this covenant that we have caused harm upon our fellow humans. The nature of the covenant with God and humanity is telling us that God loves us and God will show us love. God is saying here essentially, I'm not going to punish and destroy humanity. I'm not going to do this again. Instead, I'm going to love them and in turn teach them to love one another. And if we read the story of the Israelites, if we continue to read on through the Old Testament, we see this thing pop up over and over again. God seeking to love the Israelites, even when the Israelites do not love God in return. And as the Israelites continue to turn away from God, they continue to harm themselves. All of this driving the point behind Jesus' sacrifice. How do we learn this? How do we know all this? How can we trust all of this? Because God says, I will give you a sign. God gives a sign of his accountability. And we as humans in that same sign are given hope. And are given a promise. And are reminded of our nature to care for one another and to care for God's creation. God tells Noah and says, This is the sign of the covenant I will make with you. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of my covenant between me and the earth. And you see, God goes on to say that, that when the clouds sweep over us, when a great storm comes, God will see his bow in the clouds and clouds, and he will be reminded of that covenant to not destroy. The rainbow, the bow in the clouds becoming a sign of God's love. Now here's the cool thing. Because that bow, most commonly by us, translated as a rainbow. But you see, here's the cool thing. In Hebrew or, or Aramaic, the language of the scripture paints a deeper picture for us. The Hebrew word here, cassette, translated as bow, is most widely understood as a hunter's bow. And here I think the Hebrew white writer wants us to focus on the imagery of a bow pointed towards the heavens. Seemingly like violent imagery, 
but holding God accountable. You see, for God, it is not violent imagery. It is showing the seriousness of God's promise. God does not seem pleased with the outcome of the flood. And God wants to do anything and everything in his power to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And so what will he do? He will put a bow as a reminder of this covenant. And God sees the bow and is reminded to love humanity. And his desire to not cause devastation to the earth. And for us, it's a reminder of the hope and assurance we have in trusting that God always loves us and that God will see us through these storms. God makes this promise over and over and over again to know. It's not just here. As we continue to unpack the rest of this story, we see that God is choosing to love. And this is an important covenant because it further establishes that fractured relationship between God and humanity. I wonder, as I read this passage, if God realizes what God has truly done for humanity here. I mean, if Noah has truly realized what God has done for humanity here. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, I have decided to stick to love because hate is too great a burden. This story of Noah paints a picture that God does something that God seemingly regrets. And God chooses to take a new path in this. This covenant is the first one we read about Scripture. Because we see that God is trying to establish a nature and a relationship with humanity. Noah drives the narrative from this moment. The covenant that Noah makes with God is going to be recognized in his descendants of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of David, and eventually, yes, of Jesus. In this covenant, God is seeking to establish, reestablish a relationship with humanity in a new way that is not the way that led to the wickedness and God's regret of having created humanity. So what is our role? The final aspect of looking at this covenantal relationship is wrestling with where we fall in this covenant. What is our role? What is our response? If God looked out before the flood, saw wickedness, and regretting creating humanity, and on the other side of this flood, is seeking to reestablish relationship, and to offer a greater divine love that overshadows the wickedness that humanity had perpetuated, then what do we do? Listening and hearing this covenant that God makes with Noah. Well, our role, our response, is to lean into and to live within this all-inclusive love of God. That's why I call this the rainbow covenant. Because it is an all-inclusive covenant that God establishes. And look at it. God does not just establish this covenant with Noah. When we read the scripture, we see that God establishes this covenant with Noah, with Noah's descendants, and with every living creature that populates the earth. 
covenant is a reminder of the pervenient nature of God's grace. In the Wesleyan tradition, we have this understanding of, the, of pervenience, of that God's grace comes before our even knowledge and understanding of it. Basically, that God has loved us since the very moment of creation. And that we inherit this spirit, this divine image within us, because of God's love. I mean, consider what God is promising to do in this covenant. Because you know that God knows that just because God has in this moment destroyed wickedness, that wickedness is gone forever. God is promising to find the compassion in humanity. And as we read through the narrative of Scripture, we continue to see this each and every time that wickedness reveals its ugly head. There are stories of Scripture where instead of destruction, God offers hope. God offers peace. God offers reconciliation, and God offers love. And so, so too for us. Does this example of radical and inclusive love become for us an example into itself? Not only of how we interact and treat God, because for God that's not far enough, but how we show and offer grace to others around us as well. I mean, we live in a time where we need this. This is a message we need to hear. We see all of these things going on around us. We see wildfires, destructive hurricanes, winter weather that just wreaks havoc. And living in the midst of a global pandemic, we are seeing the effects daily of a radically and politically charged society. And you know what I'm going to be bold enough to say today is that God is not causing this pain. God is not causing this suffering. We are responsible for it. Because we have failed to love one another. We have failed as a collective humanity to take responsibility for what it means to care for one another and to care for this earth. Because I can tell you, God is doing that each and every day. We as humanity have to recognize that we are harming one another and that we are harming God's creation. It may not be us directly. But we must recognize the sins of our collective and the sins of our ancestors. Repent of them and begin the process to heal by doing it just like God does in this covenant. In the face of what God knows and God can see of regretting to create humans, of destroying all humans and living creatures on the face of the earth, God looks out on the other hand, and he offers divine grace to a human race in such need of it. God realizes in that moment that destruction will not fix the inherent evil nature that exists in society. God realizes that there is a better path to offer love and to be reminded of his love in humanity even in the midst of the greatest storms. And to promise that life and creation could be so much better if we move into relationship with God, into relationship with Christ, and into relationship with the Holy Spirit. But we've got to play a role in it. 
We have to stop lying to ourselves. We must play a role in our covenant. We must play our role in this covenant to care for the earth and the people on it, just as God promised through this text. There is no alternative understandings. There are no what-if qualifiers to any of this. This is just, there is just this nature that as children of God, we are called to build through love and not destroy. And the rainbow, the bow in the sky, becomes a reminder not just of the hope that God promises, but it comes to show the wideness of God's love for all aspects of creation. And so how will you create love and not destruction? Amen.